And then, Father, with humble hearts, we reflect on the one who gave his all so that we might have true freedom, true freedom that no human institution, no power on earth, no military might, no man can ever take away from us. That freedom, which was secured through the blood of your son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Father, we thank you for the men and women who have died heroically in the defense of a great nation, in the defense to provide a free world. But we must, above all, thank you for the one who died for us so that we could spend eternity with you And now we thank you for your word that we are about to enter into as part of our worship time together. May the Holy Spirit cause it to live in our hearts and our minds, transforming us into the people that you desire us to be. For it's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. Golly, we didn't have our greeting time this morning, did we? Well, get over it. That's my new challenge to the girls, uh, the kids, when they uh, uh, have something going on. I said, well, Grandpa really wants to help. I said, I'll tell you what, get over it. A challenging message for challenging times this morning. And there may be one or two or some say, come on, preacher, give us some good news. Well, I'm going to give you some good news, but it's tough good news. It's good, good news. I'm reminded of an old three-point sermon. I did preach it one time. I've been asked to do it again. I don't know. just hasn't been right. But a three-point sermon, hell's hot, heaven's sweet, and Jesus saves. That's the good news, folks. That's the good news. The good news is receiving Jesus Christ as your personal Savior through repentance and confession. It'll be the greatest decision you're ever going to make. The good news is following Christ, Christ, the Son of the living God. Do you understand what that means? Can we, can we even begin to wrap our minds around, we have the privilege of being invited to follow the Son of God. And it will be an exciting journey. Oh, it'll have trials, it'll have ups, it'll have downs, it'll have, it'll have some high spots and low spots. But what a journey filled with hope. But, oh, don't you just hate that little word? But, it'll cost you. Oh, it'll cost. Now, I'm not talking about the supreme cost that Christ has paid. We're not talking about adding to the purchase of our salvation that has been purchased for us by Christ. But it will cost to follow Christ. It will. But it's worth it. It means giving up the old habits, the old selfish desires, all those things that we thought we needed and found out was really Christ that all we, was all we ever needed. And then it becomes Christ is all we ever really want. They. 
In America, Christian can be a very still, sometimes popular title, but I assure you, it's getting more rare to find it as a lifestyle. Let's stand. The reading of God's Word this morning will be in Matthew chapter 10. We're going to be looking at a couple of verses that, uh, that many may understand in full context, but we're going to cover that in just a moment. But out of these two verses, verses 32 and 33, we read these words, the words of our Lord, Therefore, now you already know we're in for something when you start there, right? Okay. Therefore, everyone who confesses me before men, I will also confess him before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. Father, powerful, heavy, heavy text. May, may it weigh on us, Lord. May this text weigh on our hearts, our minds, our souls until we comprehend and apprehend just how important these words are. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, amen. 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 Please have a seat. You see, if you want Jesus to confess you before the Father, or me before the Father, any of us, then we need to be confessing Him before men. And we'd better be careful about dying Him before men because the consequence of denying Him before men is He will deny us before the Father. Now let's put that in the context of the passage. This passage is often used, and I won't call it completely inappropriate, but it's often used and limited to an initial profession of faith or confession of faith. It's connected to becoming saved. Well, of course, confessing Christ as Lord and Savior is a critical part of that, but that's not what this text is talking about. So let's go back. The word is context, context, context. Back in chapter 9, verse 35, we, we see Jesus talking, uh, 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 or, or Matthew recording uh, the messy, oh, come on, Elvin, somebody say, whoa. <sighs> now somebody say, get up. All right, we're ready. Gee haw, yeah. The scripture says Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and, and like sheep without a shepherd. And then he says this, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field. You see, we already are being introduced to the context of our passage today. We're talking about witnessing for Christ. We're talking about living the Christian life. So in chapter 10, I want us to kind of jump down, and I think we have that text beginning in verse 16. And Jesus is sending out the 12. And so we're setting the scene here now for verses 32 and 33. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be shrewd, we must not have that text. Okay, it's in the Bible. 
Matthew 10, beginning in verse 16. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves, but beware of men, for they will hand you over to the courts and scourge you in their synagogues, and you will even be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. But when they hand you over, do not worry about how or what you are to say, for it will be given to you in that hour what you are to say. For it is not you who speak, but it is the Spirit of your Father who speaks in you. And listen, verse 21. Brother will betray brother to death, and father his child, and the children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. You will be hated by all because of my name. This is Jesus speaking, my name. But it is the one who has endured to the end who will be saved. But whoever they persecute, but whenever they persecute you in the city, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not finish going through the cities of Israel until the Son of Man comes. A disciple, follow along, verse 24, a disciple is not above his teacher nor a slave above his master. It is enough for the disciple that he become like the teacher and the slave like his master. If they have called the head of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign the members of his household? Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light, and what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Can, can you begin to get to, 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 to grasp where Christ is leading up? Remember, we're building towards verse 32 and verse 33 and following. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the Father. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. All you bald people say, praise God. So do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. Therefore, up, we're there. We got back to the therefore. Therefore, in light of all of that, everyone who confesses me before men, I will confess him before my Father who is in heaven. Remember, this is the I will series. This is the I will series. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace but a sword, for I came to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, and a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and he who does not take up his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it, and he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. Now we're in context. Now we're in context. My friends, brothers and sisters, this is a critical point in the history of this nation, in the history of the church, as we draw near to the end of days, the end of times, when the Lord Jesus Christ is going to come back and fix it. But I'm telling you, this passage has so impressed upon my heart as I prepared this week, I'm a bit excited, and I hope I don't blow it. So Holy Spirit, have your way. 
So all of this now that we've gone through, what does it mean? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus Christ? A follower. What does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? And what does it mean that Christ will testify or confess us before the Father? Can you imagine? God, just think about it for a minute. That somehow in the realm of eternity, Jesus is going to call us by name. And, and, and somehow in the mystery of the triune God, he's going to look at the Father and say, Elvin Dillard, just confess me. Doris Fall, just confess me. Yeah, I'll use the pastor. Adam Johns just denied me. <laughs> that way I won't offend one of the members, Adam. <laughs> but this is personal. I believe it's very personal. And our names are going to be mentioned in glory one way or another. Does that, come on, does that scare you just a little bit? It should it should. Jesus said, fear the one who has the power to do that. That's called reverent fear. Reverent fear. So now we move to the preaching points. What is a disciple? What does it mean to confess Jesus Christ? Well, first of all, we're to be disciples, followers of Christ, and that means we are to be learning from the Lord perpetually. Now, guys, it takes me a long time sometimes to come up with all these rhyming words. So, you know, uh, when do we get to the next one? There is no crash course in Christianity. There is none. And the final degree won't be transferred until we get to glory. And we've finished the life of learning. But we are to learn. Our life journey is learning, and you cannot, there is no such, oh, there's a common term today, distant learning. That is not applicable in the Christian life. There is no such thing as a distant learning program for a believer. You're either close to Christ or away from him. And you cannot learn by being away from him or distant from him. In our text earlier, we see that Jesus was sending out the apostles. Well, before Jesus' followers could be apostles, which are those who are sent, they had to be disciples, which is those who are taught. In our lives as well, Jesus emphasizes the importance and significance of being a disciple. John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Amen? Abiding in Christ. We get a picture of this in chapter 11. Jesus said, come to me, all who labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Do you see that? Sometimes we miss that. Because it's a great passage of comfort. It's a great passage of encouragement. But it's a passage about learning. Learning. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. What does it mean to be yoked? Actually, we already had a little lesson in being yoked. But it, it, it means I'm bound, I'm connected, I'm secured to Jesus as my leader. Where he goes, I go. What he does, I do. What do we say? When he says, gee, I go right. When he says, ha, oh, I go left. He says, whoa, I stop. When he says, steady, just stay on course. 
I remember my grandpa talking about uh, his, his teams, his teams, and he, he liked long-legged mules. He said he, he, he tried horses, but they were too clumsy. He said they'd get down to the end of the row, and he'd try to turn them around with a you know, cultivator or something on there. They'd step on every plant in the field trying to get around going the other way. Get them old long-legged mules. He said they'd just tiptoe over every, every, every stock of corn, and they'd make that turn. He knew what G and Han won't get up and steady meant. Wilburn, you know what them things mean? Yeah. Brothers and sisters, don't pull against the yoke. We got to stop pulling against the yoke because here's the reason. This is why this is such an important principle. We need to embrace the yoke. Embrace it. It is our security. It is our, our, our satisfier. It's our stabilizer. The yoke is a good thing. And here is the next element of that. When we are yoked to Christ, we are therefore yoked to each other. And when one pulls left when he should be going right, it disrupts the body of Christ. We are yoked to Christ. We are yoked together. And we're all in this journey called life learning and growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't that a beautiful portrait? Don't pull against the yoke. We cannot learn in isolation, although I do encourage alone time with Jesus, very much so. But we are to learn together. We are family. We are a fellowship, scripture, worship, prayer, together. We are the church, by pure definition, a gathering, an ecclesia, a called-out assembly, which literally brings us to our next point. We are to learn perpetually, in other words, till the day we die. We're going to be learning, and then we'll be transferred into the realms of glory, and we'll not have any more questions. <laughs> Second point, love the Lord supremely. Let's love the Lord supremely. We got to quit dividing our love, dividing our love between the world and Christ. There's, there's just no room for that anymore. Never has been, but even more important now. This is where, this is where the, the principle of separation comes in. And I want to make sure we understand the difference between separation and isolation. We are to live separated lives, separated from the world and its ways, but we are not to be living away from the world. We're in the world, not of the world, all of those terms. The point is our life should look radically different than the life of someone who is not a Christian. It's as simple as that. Christian discipleship is both dedication and consecration. For married couples... If each of you are not in a personal love relationship with Christ and loving him supremely, you can never love your mate sufficiently. Never. It isn't going to happen. Because unless you know the author and the gifter of love, you can never extend that love to anyone else that you may know. Love the Lord. Love the Lord supremely. Priority. 
Again, from Mark, we get these words. The gospel account, according to Mark, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sister or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and land with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last and the last will be first. Priority living is purposeful living. Please make note of that. In Christ, priority living is purposeful living. The only way to discern your purpose in life is to exchange your old life for Christ's life. That's the only way you're ever going to find out why you even exist. You were created for a divine purpose. And until you establish a living relationship with Christ, that divine purpose will never be fulfilled in your life. First John, he says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father, but it is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. And whoever does the will of God abides forever. Isn't that a great promise? A discipleship problem is a love problem, my friends. A discipleship problem is a love problem. And we will serve what we love. Whatever it is, we will serve it. Most often it's for our own little selfish desires and satisfactions and momentary impulses and compulsions. But we really do live in a hedonist world where pleasure is the ultimate goal of society. And as you probably are aware, they keep coming up empty and dissatisfied through that hedonistic approach. Unfortunately, the church has compromised in that area too much, too often. Love the Lord supremely and discover life abundantly. And that's what Christ promised, abundant life. So we are to learn perpetually. We are to love supremely. And we are to live for the Lord obediently. Live for him obediently. And I would add one more word sacrificially sacrificially you see Christ honors those who confess him to confess him means much more than to make a statement with our lips it also means to back that statement with a life it is one thing to say Jesus Christ is Lord and quite another thing to surrender to him obey his will and walk under his lordship reign and rule children are studying the fruit of the spirit you know we uh miss crystal opened up that series here a couple three weeks ago for children's church and this really shows obedient living i would like to read that passage out of galatians chapter five and we see the 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 battle line drawn in this passage between living as the world lives and living as christ has determined his folks shall live but I say to you, the Apostle Paul says, walk by the Spirit. Walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. In other words, get busy doing what you ought to be doing. If you're busy doing what you ought to be doing, you ain't got time to do what you ought not be doing. Did you get that, Shane? Could you read that back to me? <laughs> Don't ask me to say it again. <laughs> For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. See that? 
For those, these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Remember in Romans chapter 7, Paul said, Why do I do the things I know I should not do? And why don't I do those things which I know I ought to be doing? What a wretched man am I. Who's going to rescue me from this body of death? Praise be to God, for therefore there now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Wow. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Boy, is there any of that in our world today? Well, I hope it ain't in the church. Oh, boy. That's where you replace amen with oh, my. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit, one fruit, multiple manifestations. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Folks, do you see the beauty in that life that is led by the Spirit of God? That's God's desire for His people. Do we get that? Why do we keep rejecting His gifts? Why do we keep trying to stay away from all that God wants us to have and think somehow that he wants to take away all of our fun? No, he wants to give us the abundant life that is promised and secured through Jesus Christ our Lord. He wants us to live a blessed life, folks. I didn't say an easy one. I didn't say one without trial or one without testing or one without sorrow. We're going to have grief. We're going to see death. We're going to have pain because we're still stuck in a very old broken world. But it's not about this life. It's about everything that Christ has laid up for us in glory. Amen? Everything. The choice is ours. Jesus is going to confess us in one of two ways. It, I'm sorry, but it, it, and it's more than this, but it's good boy, bad boy. Good girl, bad girl. But it's much more serious than that. Jesus is going to confess us as Confessors or deniers. There's no in-between. See, there's no, there's no dusk in the Christian. There's light and there's dark. <laughs> right? There's light and there's dark. That's it. And we're either on one side or another. Confession by our biblical definition is, is, is literally lifelong living for Christ. That's it. Lifelong living for Christ. Not perfect. Not without error, but living with a heart that's focused on the person of Christ and all that he's done for us and trusting the Holy Spirit to take care of the rest. Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. There it is. There it is right there. But Christ who lives in me. The exchanged life principle. And the life I now live in the flesh, 
I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. What a life, folks. What a life. Why would we desire anything else? Why? So what does it mean to deny him very quickly? Words? Oh, absolutely. Actions? Most certainly. Thoughts? Yes. Yes. In all those things, we, we can either confess him as Lord or deny his lordship. We can pull against that yoke and try to do things our way. I, I just had a flashback. Remember that old song? I don't remember who recorded it. All kinds of people saying, I live my life my way. What a tragedy. That's got to be the most heartbreaking song that ever made the top of the charts. To face death, boasting that you lived life your way. Oh, Lord Jesus, I help anyone who wants. Oh, that's, that's a tragedy. That's a tragedy. Because, folks, I will, I, will, I will claim this for myself so as not to insult you, but I'm just not that smart. I'm not smart enough to live life my way because I'm going to blow it. I'm going to blow it. I'd rather, I'd rather get in with Jesus I'd rather get in with Jesus and get yoked up with him. There you go. Getting yoked is no joke. My friends, brothers and sisters, I want to conclude this message with a few challenges for all of us. I believe that we are being called out like never before. I believe the church is being called out like never before in my lifetime. Christ is getting her bride ready. The sheep and the goats will face a separation. The wheat and the tares will be taken apart and separated. There will be a sifting. We are in a time where people must decide whose side they are on. And the winning side has already been determined, by the way. The champion has already been announced and presented. Remember, separation is not isolation but it does determine one's participation. Let me say that one more time. Separation is not isolation, but it determines our participation, the kind of life that we will live. It extends to all parts of our lives, every aspect of our life. You know, there's a lot of things in the news recently, and, and I don't have time to talk about them all, and it's probably not relevant or even maybe appropriate at times, but I want to know why any professing Christian would want to shop at Target. Why would any professing Christian want to walk in those corrupt and evil doors? Well, it's convenient. There's the problem. There's the problem. I don't know. This whole deal that's going down and, you know, if you're drinking Bud Light, quit. Shouldn't be drinking anyway. You know, you know, I, you know me on this kind of thing. You know, I, I'm not saying you're going to uh, go to hell because you drank a beer, but why do you want to get to heaven and go, hi, oh, Jesus and he smells that breath. Right, am I wrong, Adam? <laughs> Adam not getting in that one. Like the old boy come up and said, preacher, am I going to go to hell for smoking? I said, brother, you won't go to hell for smoking, but when we get to heaven, you'll smell like you just came from there. <laughs> Where have we compromised? 
It's just time for us all to kind of sit back and reflect. Where have we compromised, or maybe where are we compromising in our confession of Christ? Where have we gave just a little for the sake of our own comfort and convenience and care? Where have we compromised? A compromise in confession is a denial by profession. Either way, Jesus will mention our name to the Father. Either way. Either way. You know, I'm hesitant to, to but I, I just want to encourage you folks on a very personal note. Consider where you spend your money. Consider where you spend your money, what organizations you support, what businesses you support, what corporations you support. Connie and I have made a lot of changes over the years, everything from satellite TV, which doesn't exist in our house, to the cell phone carrier we use. They're all Christian organizations, all holding high moral values and national pride too. And we've never been disappointed. How can you go along with a cell phone service called Pure Talk? D.L. Moody will close our message again this morning, of which I accessed in this series. He had some really good notes. Great old man of God, great preacher. But just think of having your name mentioned in the kingdom of heaven by the Prince of Glory, by the Son of God. Because you confess him here on earth. You confess him here, he will confess you there. If you wish to be brought into the clear light of liberty, you must take your stand on Christ's side. I have known many Christians go groping about in darkness and never get into the clear light of the kingdom because they were ashamed to confess the Son of God. We are living in a day when men want a religion without a relationship. They want a crown without a cross. But if we are to be disciples of Jesus Christ, we have to take up our cross daily, not once a year or on the Sabbath, but daily. And we take up our crosses and follow him. And if we do so, we shall be blessed in the very act. Father, may we take these words most seriously this morning. Your words, the words of our Savior, recorded for our discipline, for our development, and for your glory. May we not take this thing called Christian life too lightly, but may we always measure the cost of our ability to profess it and our privilege to claim it. Father, may we confess your Son in every aspect of our life, in all that we do and say, knowing that our flesh will always be there, but the Spirit has always given us the victory. May we walk in the Spirit, therefore not to gratify the desires of the flesh, so that in all things Christ may be exalted 
and people may be drawn to him. For it's in his name and for his glory that we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand our invitation this morning. And folks, it is a time of introspection. And as we come to this time of altar call, that altar can be wherever you're standing. <laughs> wherever you're standing is your place of meeting with God at the altar right now. If you want to come forward, we'll pray with you. We'll, we'll stand by you in prayer. And, and we don't need to know what the needs are to stand there and pray with you, along with you. But folks, I assure you, there is an urgency. There is an urgency. Christianity is not popular. How many knew that? Yeah. True Christianity is not popular at all. At all. And there is a very strong element in these United States of America that wants to silence the conservative voice. Silence it. We will not be silenced. We will not be silenced. Let's worship the Lord.